Hello, 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 and welcome back to what I hope is an episode of your favorite podcast ever. It's okay if it's not, but always leave reviews, like, comment, subscribe. You know the drill. Welcome back to another episode of Miss Congeniality. It is, it's a big day. It is Friday, June 9th, officially, by the time that the first people listening to this are hearing it. And it is the day that my book is live for pre-order, which is one of the craziest sentences I think I've ever uttered out of my mouth. But we are here. It is happening. And I I, I have little to no words. Um, the first thing that happened this morning was that there was an exclusive cover reveal and interview in Cosmo. Like the Cosmo. Like I like how, like what is life? And I've been sitting on this for a while. I've obviously known about it. And I'm just like, holy fuck. And it's been such a wild week leading up to this because basically I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about all the ins and outs of book tings. But to start, um, in order for all of the retailers, so Walmart, Target, uh, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, all of the indie bookstores, et cetera, et cetera, to have a pre-order live link and the book cover on their site, HarperCollins had to start feeding it out about five business days early because it takes some of these retailers, some of the smaller ones around five days to get that on, on their site and get it working and everything. It's a lot of, a lot of stuff to process. A lot of things I had never thought about. Right. So for the last five days, they've been slowly feeding it out so that on Friday morning, when there's the exclusive in Cosmo, everything is ready. People can pre-order the cover is there. The link is live. It's all working. It's all good to go. So because of that, many of you have been private investigators and have found it early, which I'm so sorry if you messaged me in a panic thinking it wasn't supposed to be there. It is supposed to be there. Um, I'm sorry I didn't respond. It was not um, a cool thing for me to respond to you guys um, via my team just because they want me they didn't want me to say anything about the cover or draw more attention to it until the exclusive came out. So if you did see it early, that's why it was intentional. And it was so hard to not answer you guys when you're like, oh my God, I just want to let you know, like, I'm not going to share it. I just want to make sure I'm like, trust me, it's okay. And thank you for reaching out and thank you for all that. But yeah, it was supposed to be there, but wild couple of days having to not tell you guys things, which you know, I hate. But it's officially live for pre-order and I want to talk a little bit about pre-order with you guys this morning and tell you a little bit about what it is and why it is so important for debut authors. Um, So let's do that. In the literal sense, pre-order means that you are ordering a copy of this book, that on December 12th, when the book comes out, that book will be in your hands. It will be delivered to you by that day. This is a way to ensure that people who are excited about the book are going to get a copy of it the day or week it comes out because sometimes highly anticipated books will sell out or they won't have enough copies printed, et cetera, et cetera. This is a way to ensure that you get your copy of the book. So it's awesome for you if you're a big fan or if you've liked my words in the past or if you've been excited for the book. Pre-order is also really important for authors, but specifically debut authors, and it's really interesting. So obviously, we all know that there are bestseller lists and compilation lists by various publications. Some of them are based on numbers. Some of them aren't based on numbers, but they say that they are. It's very confusing, and we don't know much about the systems that they use. But one thing that we do know is that they do say that these lists are based on numbers of books that an author sells. Now, usually it's just week by week how many books you sell in a week, like week four of it being out, week five. Week one is not only week one of sales, so December 12th to December 19th, 
but also all of pre-order. So in order to get on those bestseller lists in your first week, you have a really great shot if you're able to sell a lot of books during pre-order, which is really, really exciting and cool and interesting. And I've told myself from the start, you know, I don't have much pressure on myself about these lists because I know at the end of the day that I am proud of this book and that I love this book and that is the only debut I could ever have written and that there will be more books to come and that's already in the works. And that is all knowledge I have within myself and peace I've made. That being said, it is a lifelong dream of mine to be a best-selling author. It would be probably the coolest thing ever. And I think that in terms of just longevity with my career, it would be a really great thing to be able to say going into book two, book three, book four, hopefully book five, and the rest of the books that I hope to write in my life. So if you've ever felt inspired by one of my lists of rules or the way that I write, or if you felt just like you want to support me in that way, it would mean the world to me if you could pre-order this book. It has been such a labor of love, but when I truly think about it and we were talking about you guys, my podcast listeners in one of our marketing meetings because we were just like, that's her community. Those are her people. Those are the people closest to her. And and that's really how I feel about you guys. And I think this book is as much mine as it is ours. And that's something that makes it feel so special. I feel like we did it together. We've been in it together. You've been here for every step of the way. I couldn't do it without you guys. And I can't wait to celebrate all of my success with you guys and and let it be our success. I know that there's going to be millions of questions, so I'm going to try to answer the ones that come to mind right now. Number one, what is this book about? So this book is 14 personal essays that take you through the life cycle of a relationship and they are governed by my rules lists. Each chapter is a rules for blank. And it starts with being single and ends with being single. This book gives you the tips and tricks to love and flirt and live your fullest life possible peppered in with anecdotal stories of my own trials and tribulations. I think it's funny. I think it's heartbreaking. I think it's, you know, I think it's lovely in many ways. I'm so proud of it and I love it so, so much. I think it just takes you on a journey and really tells you that when you love and when you lose, one thing you can never lose is yourself. So you should always bet on you. And that's really that's really what I wanted to speak to the most um, when I wrote the book. So that's what it's about. It is selling at $24.99. It is hardcover, coming out in hardcover. There will be an audiobook. There will be ebook options as well. I'm trying to think of other questions. Ah, yes, the tour. We are having a book tour. It is going to be wonderful. There's going to be at least 10 cities, maybe 13. There's going to be an event kicking off in New York City on December 12th. All of the information with tickets and everything is going to be coming very, very soon. If you are thinking about a holiday gift for someone, I think that this would make a lovely holiday gift. It will be my goal to meet as many of you as humanly possible on every stop of this tour. No matter how we have to do it, we will figure it out. This is about us, about celebrating, about having a party, about love and community and friendship. And I cannot wait for this tour. Just stay tuned. The announcement will be on its way soon. We're just trying to get through one thing at a time. And obviously right now it's the first fucking day of pre-order. So there's a lot ahead of us. Furthermore, another cool thing. When I started thinking about marketing pre-order and kind of like what direction I wanted to go in, I was like, you know what? I'm in New York. I have so many amazing influencer friends and we all like to have a little celebration. Like there's always a launch party, always an event, always a moment to bring us together and have fun. And what better way to like really celebrate this cover than to just invite everybody and have a night. 
So that's what I'm doing on, on this coming Tuesday. I'm very excited. It's been in the works for a while and I am doing a giveaway to invite some of you there. If you're listening to this, the giveaway will be live on TikTok very soon. I will also post the link to Instagram. I want you guys to enter this giveaway. I want you guys to be a part of this evening. I'm so excited. I can't even explain to you how excited I possibly could ever be. I just, I don't know. I was like thinking about it and I was thinking about the PR box of it all and all these different things. And I was like, getting people in a room is my passion. And I can't imagine like not having you guys in that room as well when you've been such an integral part of this. So there will be a giveaway for you guys to come to the party and I can't wait. And I'm just going to do the most I can to visit and meet and see as many of you as possible. That is what I want this to look like for us. And I am so excited. Oh my God, I'm getting a call. Okay, crisis averted. That is, I think, everything I have to say about pre-order. I like don't know how to... I'm like, please pre-order it. Tag me if you pre-order it. Do it and live it and love it and share it with your friends and family. And thank you. I'm, I am I hope that I could repay you even an ounce of the gratitude that I feel. I'm, I'm just... I'm so blown away and overwhelmed and excited. So thank you. And I'm, I, I can't wait for December 12th, but hopefully this satiates you a little bit and hopefully you love the cover. It was, we went through so many iterations and I can't wait to show you guys that as well, but that's where we're at. It's book release day. It's author era day. It's been a wild week that has not felt real to me. I, I'm recording this Wednesday, so I don't have my hair extensions yet. I'm getting hair extensions tomorrow. Like we're going to see what that's like. You guys know me, like I'm pretty much a low maintenance queen when it comes to my hair. And they're like, okay, so you're going to have to brush your hair every day. And I'm like, see, that's a little bit, that's something. So we're going to do that. Um, I, I'm moving, um, on the 16th because I'm getting surgery on the 19th or 20th. So getting all my stuff together to do that, that's wild, but it's going to be nice. I'm a Jersey girl. Well, I've always been a Jersey girl at heart, but I'm a Jersey girl for now. Um, I think I've explained this to you guys, my thought process behind moving, but if I haven't, go find the episode where I did. Um, I'm really, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fine. It's going to be great. It's going to be glam. It's going to be lovely. And that's all ahead of me. The party, <laughs> the launch, the moving, the hair extensions, the surgery, as I'm speaking to you now. But let's talk about things that have happened this week, just because I'm not going to just talk about things that will happen or else I will spiral. And, you know, I just had therapy, so we don't need that. I'm still reading Eat, Pray, Love. I finished Sex and Rage by Eve Babbitts. I'm looking for a new fiction wreck. If you guys have one, let me know. I also think I'm going to start Old Enough, my friend Haley Jacobson's book, which is coming out officially on June 20th. And if you haven't pre-ordered her book, get your fucking ass up and work. It feels like nobody wants to pre-order a book these days. Go pre-order it. I'm really excited about that. Jack and Jess are officially New Yorkers. They moved into the city. They have a beautiful apartment. I visited it. My mom came in with her dog. We all went and saw the apartment. It's amazing. I'm so excited for them. Jack is working. Jess is starting law school in the fall. So it's been really nice to have her here. So big mazel to them. We're so excited for them. We love it. We live it. We learn it every single day. Um, It's crazy that all of this is happening at once. I'm like, wow, things are really, things are happening. It's like, I'm realizing things as Kylie Jenner would say. I'm also going to a really cool like sex in the city and just like that celebration tomorrow. I worry about being overdressed, but I don't think I care. It feels so pertinent that Thursday night before my book launches, 
I'm literally going to a Sex in the City event. Like that's just like so full fucking circle. And so I'm very, very excited about that. Um, and then let's just like talk about some pop culture things while we're here. The name on everyone's lips, Taylor Swift and Maddie Healy, have officially, allegedly broken up. Here's my thing. Like, were they just fucking? Are they like actually broken up? Like, again, I don't really keep track of like her relationship situations. Um, and so I don't really know like what to think about this or like what it is. I'm also like, is it really like a relationship if you date for a month? Like, were they just fucking like be fucking for real? Um, that's kind of how I feel about that. I will say though, um, I, I have this thing about Harry Styles where I'm not a big fan of his in terms of like his music and like art. Like, I think he's super talented. It's just like, I'm not like, you know, like I wouldn't go to his concert, but like, I think as a specimen, as a human being, like he is gorgeous and like his vibe is so sexy to me, like truly, deeply, genuinely. And so when she does that little Harry Styles dance, when she's singing style on the Eras tour, if you haven't watched this, just find it on TikTok. It's like her just like doing his quintessential dance during the song she wrote about him, which is basically a song where they're, where she's talking about how good their sex is. Like to me, at least like we never go out of style when we go and cry, like, we never go out, take me home, take me home. Like that's the bridge. Like I love that song. Cause I love thinking about fucking him, even though I don't even want to like necessarily, it's just more just like the fact that they did is like so perfect to me. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's so perfect to me. Um, that's really all I have to say about that. Like, I feel like I needed to like mention the breakup, but like, I don't really think it's a breakup. Like I, I did consider them as dating because I thought it would last for longer, but now I'm not sure if I considered them ever to be dating because it's like, it was a month. Um, on that note, I'm so happy to see Sean and Camilla back together. Like genuinely, it makes me so happy. I feel like they're soulmates. I think he needs to propose to her. Like, I don't know what's going on in their lives. She does follow me on Instagram. Hi queen. Um, I'm sorry what we said about the ceramic mugs. Um, Maybe just get matching ones. <laughs> like, we love you. Um, so, yeah, that was, like, a big thing that she followed me on Instagram. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, that's interesting. Um, but I'm so happy to see them back together. Like, they were at the Eras tour. Like, he had his hand on, like, her lower back, upper butt. It was, like, hot and sexy and, like, all the things and just, like, made me feel really happy for them. So I love to see people, like, falling back into love. I love a relaunch. Like, I think that's the new thing in it thing. Um, it's just giving and I, and I love that. I love that so much. Okay. Now this is the time that I ask you guys for Rex. Um, I am going on a trip for my birthday. So I'm going to Europe, which is like a whole thing. But then for my birthday, my boyfriend's like, I want to bring you on a trip. It's your 25th. Like you took me on a trip for mine. Where do you want to go? So I wanted to go to Nantucket cause I grew up going there, but then they got to be fucking for real about the pricing there. Like, um, every single hotel was a thousand dollars a night. So we quickly pivoted and we're going to go to Portland, Maine. I've wanted to go to Maine for so long. We were looking into Bar Harbor, but same situation, a thousand dollars a night in August to stay there. So Portland seems like a bit more tangible of an option where we can also do like a sunset boat cruise or like can spend more money on like good food and stuff because we're not like, you know, he's not like bawling out a thousand a night on hotels, which just seemed like absolutely insane. So we're going to Portland. Um, in August, I need all your recs. I literally know nothing about Maine. It has been my dream to go there. Maybe reading Happy Place didn't help, but like, please, like, I want to go. I'm excited to go. I, I'm like ready for it. And I want to like start booking things sooner rather than later because, um, I just feel like things are going to book up because even Portland was so like hard to like figure out logistically getting there and staying there and where to stay and everything because it's just so expensive to travel in the summer. So if you're from Maine, 
Hi. If you have any recs, let me know and you can DM me or whatever to tell me those. Okay. Before we get into the episode, which is an ask me anything, I put up a box on Instagram, just going to answer questions. Haven't even thought about it. So we're going off the cuff, off the grid, which is always fun. Um, Meaning like I've thought about it, but like I'm not, I haven't read the question. So we're just going to go raw. Um, Tartar, if you will. My touch grass of the week was so good last week. Like genuinely, it was such a good touch grass. And I got so many messages being like, your touch grass really hit this week. And I'm like, I know. The touch grass of the week this week, though, is a bit more broad and it's based off of something that I like two things that I saw on TikTok. I saw this girl making a video about another girl who's like an influencer and like commenting on like how bad she is at being an influencer. But this is just a girl with like no followers, not doing anything like on TikTok. And it's like, okay, like just like go admit you're jealous. Like, why are like, why are you spending your time doing that? Like, what are you doing? That to me is like beyond touch grass. Like, what are you doing? Like sitting around making actual videos about why somebody that you probably follow and stalk and obsess over is a bad influencer and why you would be better at it. Like be fucking for real. Like immediately blocked. I blocked that creator. She didn't even follow me. Like, but she's blocked. Cause I'm like, what are, that's a, what are you doing? The big touch grass is sort of like an umbrella thing, but it's just something I notice among mutuals and something that I definitely also feel, which is anyone commenting on other people's appearance ever. And I don't care what it is. Like, you know, some people say, well, like we can comment on it if it's like, um, what is it? Um, like, oh, I'll comment on it if um, they could change it in five minutes. And it's like, no, just like don't comment on it. Like, and then the whole thing is like, well, you put yourself out there so we can comment on it. And it's like, but that's like, but that's like not true. Like, that's just like not how it works. Just because someone puts themselves out there doesn't give you the right to like tell them things about their face are ugly. And this is just based off of like watching mutuals on their private stories, like talk about this or lament about how it's destroying their self-esteem or self-worth. And I thought about it a lot because the only thing that like has been truly negative to come out of like my social media experience is that I have insecurities that I did not even know I had. Some of my favorite things about myself that used to be my favorite things about myself, I now hate because other people have been so fucking mean about it. And I don't care if these are things I could change or like alter in any way. Like I used to live a carefree life in those, in that regard. And now I hate things about myself that I didn't before. And like, how does it make you feel good to know that you are the very reason that someone hates themselves? Like that is so crazy to me. Touch grass, go outside, get a hobby. What are you doing? What are you doing? I think it's like at this point, so fucking embarrassing to be a troll in any capacity, whether you're a troll on Reddit, whether you're a troll in the comments, like the re like you have to be embarrassed by it. And I know you are because you would put your name, your real name. If you weren't like people who aren't embarrassed about what they're doing, put their first and last and, and a picture of their face. But like, if I told someone like, oh yeah, this person, and I gave your first and last name, like they spend all their time, like criticizing, like someone's appearance who they claim to hate on the internet under an anonymous account, all their friends and family and like employer and like boyfriend and like everybody else would just be like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, that's embarrassing. Unless they're also doing that. And then I guess like misery loves company so that you can all be miserable together. But that's my touch grass. Like be fucking for real. Do not comment on other people's appearances. I don't care like what you're commenting on. If you think you're helping, like, unless it's literally like your flies down or you have something in your teeth. Like, I don't want to fucking hear it. Grow up, get a life, touch grass, go outside.
Now I will answer your questions because that is what I'm here to do. I'm going to try to do a variety. I'm reading them all in front of my face. And without further ado, let's just get into it. Wait, I just clicked something on my laptop. You know what? I'm not an audio engineer and it's hard. Okay. The first one, how to deal with a guy being weird after a couple of like one night stand hookups. I think you should always ask for clarity, but also if, if someone is being like a little bit weird and you're not like completely and entirely invested in them, like you don't have a crush on this person, you don't like them, like you couldn't see yourself with them. I would just like stop wasting your time genuinely because you could like have casual sex and like casual hookup situationship with somebody who like isn't being weird toward you. Like there's like, I like situationships. Like there's a time and a place for those and for casual sex and for all that stuff. But like there are people that you can do that with who you will like feel comfortable with who isn't gonna, who aren't going to be weird about it. I would honestly just confront. I would like send a message or something and be like, hey, like I've had a lot of fun these last few times hanging out. Like are, where's your head at? I'm looking for something casual and chill. If you are too, say lovey. If not, maybe we part ways. Um, because I think that there's a world in which this person might be worried that you're not on the same page. So just like asking or telling them where you're at might help them to be like, oh, for real, for real, we're on the same page. Cool, cool, cool. Um, always asking for clarity and sending that message to me is like the number one thing that you should do. And that's that's the sleigh. All right. How to seek out a guy that's for the girls rather than against the girls, meaning a feminist guy. Listen, <laughs> it's hard, right? Like a lot. Of, okay. So let's get a little bit, let's get a little bit like smart for a second. I know I don't do that a lot, but we're going to drop in. A lot of men, cis men, straight men, a lot of cis white men also genuinely, truly, and deeply believe that feminism is not for them. They think that feminism is acting against men or actively pushing against them and their well-being. What they're not understanding is that feminism as a whole, as a collective, is about equity and equality and is about equity between sexes, right? Meaning, feminism, if they get on board and stop being so fucking annoying, can serve them as well because at its core, it's about dismantling the patriarchy and patriarchal ideology in pursuit of equity. So I think a lot of men are a little confused because they, they are in... They have an influx of toxic masculinity and toxic masculine type of people or influences who tell them that feminism is not for them. For them. If they would just like get on the ship that we're all on. And by the way, the ship is great. There's a lot of like good fun things on the ship. It would actually be really helpful because then we could all dismantle the patriarchy together because the patriarchy is not just serving them. It also harms them and they, they can't seem to get there. So I would say that if you want to find somebody that's for the girls rather than against the girls, you first need to be very loud and proud about how you feel about things and who you are and what you believe. I think that if you're being loud and proud about being feminist and caring deeply about equity and caring deeply about dismantling the patriarchy, you will dispel people who disagree with you automatically, right? If somebody who is like a misogynist or like a meninist sees a feminist out here in the world putting in the work to dismantle the patriarchy or actively, you know, being feminist in some sort of forward-facing way, that will dispel those kinds of people. Be loud and proud with it. Secondarily, and I, and I don't want this to come off the wrong way because I am not saying date misogynist fucks, date like patriarchal fucking assholes. No, I am saying 
that there is a subset of men who would not consider themselves feminist, not because they are not for the girls, not because they're misogynistic, not because they're patriarchal, but because they don't think that they're invited to be a part of that or because they, they are uncomfortable with it because they don't know what it is. So, and I think that then this goes into this whole conversation of emotional labor and like the emotional labor women take on in relationships. And it is not your job to teach these men about that. But I think there is a world in which a man who is not like actively like I'm a feminist today actually is a feminist because he believes feminist thought and he's he's actually serving the feminist like serving feminism in a productive way there's a world in which he just hasn't labeled himself as such because he doesn't think he's allowed to he doesn't think he's invited he doesn't think he's a part of it yada 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 etc 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 so i think in being loud and proud about your views you're going to attract people who share similar views who are attracted to your school of thought and then you should be good so i would just make that forward facing and make that something that, that you bring up when you're dating that you care about. And then look for the obvious red flags. Like, does he follow Andrew Tate and Donald Trump? Like, you know what I mean? Like, then there are the obvious red flags of it all that you should also look for when dating in general. All right. I like this one. How to make a day of hanging out alone. Okay. I am, it's so weird because I am like super introverted, but I'm, I'm like an extroverted introvert. I'm definitely an ambivert where I'm like friendly and talkative and energetic, but I don't get energy from spending time with people. But I also don't love being alone. I have two things, like two types of being alone. There's active alone time and passive alone time. Active alone time is alone time you're actively choosing to have. I'm going to have a night in that's really relaxing tonight. That's like for me and actively being alone. Passive alone time is alone time you didn't choose to have. Like people weren't free or you didn't make plans and now you're just awkwardly alone. I feel like a lot of times when we have active alone time, we're like planning a spa night, planning an evening for ourselves where we're going to binge our favorite show and have our favorite meal. And, and we do all of these things to make ourselves like super, super, super like excited, I guess, about being alone. What if when you find yourself completely alone and like, oh, fuck, I'm alone and lonely, whatever, I'm having passive alone time, you do things to make that passive alone time feel like active alone time. Not exactly answering your question, but now I will. For me, if I was going to make the most out of spending a day alone, I would just like make it into a thing. Like I would get excited about it. I would put on my cute little set. I would go find like a farmer's market or outdoor market or a coffee shop I'd never been to before. I would bring my tote bag with my book and my stuff. And I would just like get excited about being alone. Like I would um, get my little coffee. I would walk around when I got hungry. I would go find like a chic little bakery or something. Um, I would go window shop at all my favorite stores. Maybe later in the day, I would take a workout class, call somebody that I love, chat with them, do some journaling. And then I would probably order in my favorite meal, take a full V shower with all the exfoliation, all the shaving, all the face masks. And I would like maybe take an edible and watch my favorite show. And all I really did was I like did things that excited me like that. And they're not hard. They're not even expensive. You don't even have to spend a lot of money to do that. It's just about like intentionally choosing joy. And it's a little hard sometimes because you're like, boohoo, I'm alone. Societally, we make it sound like being alone sucks and is awful. But no, it doesn't have to be that way. And you can literally be the like ringleader of your own damn circus and you can have a wonderful day being totally by yourself, especially in the summertime when it's warm outside and like you have the abilities to go outside often, I think. All right. How to tell parents that you'd like to move in with your boyfriend. Um, you're 25 and 27. And I think she'll be moving out of their house. And she says that she knows that they will push back. So I think a lot of times with parents, sometimes we have to 
tell them, not ask them, especially when you're 25 years old and you're fully an adult, um, especially when I assume you're financially independent in a way, at least even if you're living with them, like you're going to go off and live on your own and like not require their aid. Um, so I think putting together, like literally having all of the details in your brain or laid out in front of them somehow, because parents like details and asking them, Hey, can we get a drink? Can we sit at the table and talk about something, set a time to do it and just be like, listen, Billy and I have been talking about it and we found a great place and we're going to move in together. The lease starts on August 1st. Uh, we've dealt with all the finances. We figured it out. I love him. You guys like him. He's a great person in my life. We are ready to take this step together. I'm an adult woman and I know that maybe you find this untraditional or it wasn't something that you guys would have done, but this is something that I want to do, a choice I'm making for myself. Here is all the information. If you have any questions, I'm ready to answer them. I'm ready to have a civil conversation with you guys about this. And I, I know that you might not feel like this is something I'm ready for, but I know it's something I'm ready for. And I hope that you guys can support me because I love you and I know you love me. When you ask, I think that's when it becomes a problem. Like when you're like, can I do this or whatever? And when you're a little bit like all over the place. So really come in succinct with your points and all the details. Like back in the day, I felt like my parents loved a PowerPoint because it's like, I literally researched. Like this is like literally peer reviewed right here, bitch. Like read it and weep. Okay. And it's going to be great. And even if they're mad for like a day, I feel like they'll get over it. I mean, I don't know your parents obviously, but I feel like whenever I've told my parents something that I knew that they weren't going to take like very well, after a few days, like they're willing to come around and like be a little bit more sensitive to it and actually talk about it. Okay. This one asks how to project confidence without driving people away. I truly believe that if you are being kind to yourself and others, doing your best and working hard, I just don't think that you can do anything else to make people like you. And so if people are put off then by your personality or your confidence or your ability to just be fully and truly and deeply yourself, that's kind of on them. Like, okay, they're not interested in being your friend. There's a personality conflict. Maybe they just don't like your confidence. Maybe that's like something that they need to like work out on their own. I just think that if you are doing all of those things and you're not being obnoxious or like a bad, mean spirited person, there's nothing you can do to not drive people away. Like people just generally aren't going to like us. We have to use the orange juice analogy. Like if you were the juiciest, most delicious orange in the world, there's still going to be people that simply don't like orange juice and don't have a palate for it. And we cannot spend our time or waste our time trying to convince the orange juice haters to like us because they're not going to. So I think that's something that I've just like really embraced in my life is that if people are put off by my confidence or my personality, that's okay with me. There are people whose confidence and personality, maybe not confidence, I'm really not put off by confident people ever, but there's people whose personality I've been put off by. You know what I mean? Like not everyone is going to like us. Keep doing you. Do not squash yourself or make yourself smaller so other people like you. They're still not going to like you. If you became the smallest orange ever, it's almost invisible. They still don't want to juice you and enjoy your orange juice. So I would just be your true full self and not even care about the people that you quote push away because they're not meant to be in your life anyway. Okay. How to get over the ego hit of the guy who wasn't ready for a relationship. Listen, it's an ego hit, right? Like you've hit the nail on the head. It fucking sucks. Nobody likes that. But something that I try to remind myself of is that this person just like is not your person. And it's hard because if you really liked them and you could have seen a future, you're like, what do you mean it's not my person? I felt like it was my person. 
in order for someone to be your person, it needs to be mutual, right? You both need to be each other's person. There are going to be people that come into your life who they think like that it could actually work out, but you're like, you're not my person. And then you're not each other's person. So I think it's about realizing that your person is out there. Your people are out there. And if you had gotten caught up with the wrong person, who's actually not your person, even though you felt something for them and that feeling was valid, you're going to miss out on your actual people coming your way. It's just a bit of a mindset switch instead of being like, oh, what was me? Fuck this. And do that for a little while. Wallowing is healthy. We should get it all out. But then I want you to say to yourself, oh my God, this wasn't my person. Thank God I didn't get caught up in them. I would have missed the thing around the bend. Do you know what I mean? Like even when I went through like terrible breakups in my life and I was devastated and I was like, I'm never going to love again. I'm so glad I went through that heartbreak because I never would have loved the next person after that if I hadn't had my heart broken. So I think it's just about being grateful that the universe has your back and every no, the reason for it is going to make itself known to you. And you're going to be so fucking excited and happy when it does. And I promise you of that. How to know if you're ready to start dating again after a breakup. Okay. For me, this is really difficult, but you need to shut out all the noise. There's going to be people and like books and mediums and messages trying to tell you when it's time to move on, when you would know you're ready. And you are actually truly deeply the only person that could know when you're ready. You could be ready the day after you could be ready a year after that is up to you to decide it. Like anybody else trying to tell you when you are ready to move on from a relationship and when you are ready to start dating again, like they have no idea. They didn't live in your relationship. They didn't experience your heartbreak. They're not a part of it. They don't know. So this is something only you can truly answer. And there are going to be people that judge you either way, like get back out there if it's been a little while or like, wow, that was fast. If you jump right back into it, don't listen to them. Again, they have no idea. Every relationship and breakup is different. Breakups could have been ruminating for months, weeks, days, years, it's a wide range of things. So at the end of the day, I think you only know when you know. When you say say to yourself, I would like to go on a date tonight. And that doesn't need to be a date to find a new boyfriend or girlfriend or partner, just a date to go on a date. Okay, you're going to go on a date. That's when you know you're ready. And it doesn't matter when it is. And we're all on our own timeline and all on our own pace. And we all need to take a deep breath and shut out the goddamn fucking noise. Um, and if you want to ask someone that you trust and love for advice, that's great. But what I'm just trying to say is that you're really the only person that's going to know. I can't tell you. Nobody can tell you. Not even your therapist. I know it's a tough pill to swallow, but I'm sure that they would also say to you, like, you're going to know. And when the time is right, it's going to be right. And just trust in that. And it can't, and it's okay if it's a year and it's okay if it's a week. It's okay if it's two years. It's okay if it's two weeks. You are on your own pace. Other people are on theirs. And I'm just proud of you for getting through. Oh, we've got a juicy one. We've got a juicy one. My best guy friend and I kissed, but I'm not sure I really like him that way. What do I tell him? I would tell him if you're brave enough to do it in person, I would do it in person because I think he deserves that. I would be like, I know the other night we like kissed and had that moment and you matter so much to me and you're so important to me that I just have to be honest with you. I don't know where your head's at, but I don't see a romantic future for us. I just don't want to harm our friendship. And again, you matter so much to me that I have to be honest with you. I don't know what I got caught up in. I think I was curious and I'm sorry if that hurts you in any way. Again, I don't know where your head's at, but I just want to let you know that because I didn't want too much time to pass before telling you because it's just important to me that our friendship stays where it is. And depending on how he responds, that's how he responds. But I think honesty is the best policy and do it sooner rather than later because if he is interested in you as more than friends, this is only a sting and it will really burn if you let this go on for longer without being honest with him, especially if he's like your best friend. Love this one. Okay. How to navigate having your boyfriend over and respecting your roommate's boundaries. Always, always, always communicate with your roommates. Like 
right when you move in, like, and honestly, if you didn't do it, do it now. Just ask, be like, Hey, what is like your personal comfort level for me having my boyfriend over? Like what, how do you feel about that? Like, be honest with me. Like it doesn't matter to me either way. I just like want to gauge your temperature on that because you like pay rent here and he doesn't. And so I'm just out of curiosity, like what works for you? How often is okay? Does it bother you? Like I'm literally opening the door for you to be honest, because I genuinely want to know, give her the space to tell you exactly what works for her, because then you're not like playing a guessing game of like tiptoeing around. Is this cool? Is this not cool? And then I would hope that you just also let her know that if something happens that she's like not chill with, like she'll just let you know, or like she has a big day tomorrow and like doesn't want like noise or like whatever, she'll just let you know. And I think also just having your boyfriend like stay in his lane, like I wouldn't, when you have him over, like take up the whole apartment. Like if you guys have a shared living space, like, and your roommate isn't like super friendly with your boyfriend, like if she's home, I wouldn't be like posting up watching TV out there. Like I would watch it in your room. I wouldn't have him like throwing his stuff all over like the common living space. Like every now and then, like, of course, like eat dinner out in the common living space. Like if you guys grab a coffee and you're sitting out there, whatever. I just think be mindful of the fact that that is her living space. And she might feel a little bit awkward entering into a situation where there's a couple there. And if she's home, just like be extra mindful of like what spaces that he specifically and you guys are taking up. Um, always like extend the invite. If like you're making food or something like, Hey, can we make you something that's just like out of respect? I'm sure she'll say no, but like that kind of stuff. And then like really keeping to your room and like if you know that she likes to shower in the morning before work, like don't let your boyfriend hug up the bathroom, like just those little things. But I would really open up the door for her to tell you exactly what works for her instead of guessing. Because when you try to read someone's mind, it never works. It's impossible. And we end up disappointing ourselves or them. So just ask. This one makes me so sad. My boyfriend's mom is super clingy onto him and it's so annoying. Please help. Okay, listen, listen. I think there's a difference between mama's boys and boys who are obsessed with their moms and moms who are obsessed with their sons. I dated someone like that. It was a nightmare. Like it was hellish. I literally felt like he was dating her or wanted to. I felt like she wanted to date him. It was fucking weird, right? I think if I could go back, I probably would have just gotten out of that situation. But I think if it's something where like the mom is super clingy and obsessive on him, like it's his mom, right? So you don't want to be disrespectful. I get it. Like, right. Like if I had kids, I'd probably be obsessed with them too, but it gets a little odd sometimes. Right. I would just start by talking to your boyfriend and be like, Hey, this kind of like behavior that your mom gives, give an example, like when she does this or does that, or like the way she pries for information about me, it makes me feel kind of weird. Like, can we talk about it? Come with examples because the worst case scenario is he thinks that you're attacking his mom, which like obviously you and I know that you're not doing that, but I bet you that he would also agree that she's clingy in certain ways. And if you have examples, especially in ways in which they pertain to you, I can't stress it enough. Like really coming in with the example of like when she pries about our relationship in this way, when she gives you unsolicited advice about me, make it a little bit about yourself so that you're coming from more of like a specific place instead of broad so that he doesn't think, oh, she hates my mom. You know what I mean? And then I would also try to foster a relationship with his mom, low key, low key, where she just like knows of your place in his life. Maybe. I don't know how you do that without like I don't want you to like step on her toes and be like, I'm the bitch in this town. Like, not like that, but just like 
get a little closer to her and so that you're close enough to like be like, oh my God, yeah, we're doing this, we're doing that, send a picture of him. So she just knows like how much time you spend with her son and like how much you must care about her son. And then maybe she'll back off a little bit also. Like I think being close with the clingy moms like definitely helps. Um, but I would start by talking to your boyfriend and use specific examples that you're involved with. Um, sometimes this is an incurable thing. And hopefully if you can just get your boyfriend on the same page, you guys will be able to deal with it together. But I can't even like the when they have the mommy issue that they're like in love with their mom. That's a whole nother territory. And for me, that's a red flag. I just had a really bad experience with it. And I will not date a man who's in love with his mother again. I'm sorry, I can't. Okay, you guys want to know how to meet new people as an adult in your city? I say this all the time, but I'm just going to stress it again. Please join my Facebook group. Please join my Geneva chat. Both of them, both of them are live in living color on my little link tree in the links in my bio. Um, please go there and join them because people literally have met lifelong friends that way. I know that's not like the perfect solution, but you might feel like a little less awkward than like being on Bumble BFF, like meeting someone because you guys listen to the same podcast. You might have similar interests. Like just go in one of the Facebook groups with the Geneva chats and be like, does anybody want to take a hot girl walk? It's so easy. I know it's hard to put yourself out there. Trust me. Like I always feel so fucking awkward asking a new friend to hang out. I'm like, this person's going to think I'm weird. They definitely don't. They're not thinking about you that much. Put yourself out there in those means and just let me know how it goes. Do that to start. And then we can talk about some more ways. But I think that that's just like a really good starter pack for all of this. All right how to let myself not be insecure in a relationship. My boyfriend is perfect. It's just me. Listen, we all have baggage. I'm also somebody that's been really insecure in relationships in my past. And there are two things that I do actively in order to not let this affect my relationship and not self-sabotage. Number one, I tell my boyfriend when I'm feeling insecure, I always say you did nothing. I've been feeling insecure. It would be helpful if you could X or I just want to let you know I'm a little insecure in relationships because of some past stuff that went on with me. I'm not really interested in talking about it right now. I just want to let you know that I might need a little extra affirmation. It's nothing you did. I just want to set us up for success here. Always make it an us thing. I'm setting us up for success by letting you in on this little secret about how I need to be loved. It's really helpful to just let somebody in on that information because again, he can't read your mind. And if you expect him to, you'll end up resenting him. The number two, therapy. We love therapy. Go to therapy. Like, I'm not even kidding you. I know you're like, well, I don't really think I need therapy. Like, blah, blah, blah. no, therapy's awesome. Therapy fucking rocks. Therapy wins the day. And you might not feel like you need therapy. And I totally get it because there have been times in my life that I'm like, I'm just a little insecure in relationships. Why do I need therapy? Talking to somebody about it, just an unbiased source who can help you sort through that in your brain is literally the best thing that you could ever possibly do ever. So go to therapy. And I think those two things might really help. Someone said, do you consider yourself an author or an influencer? So I don't consider myself an influencer only because the people that I consider influencers are people who maybe like tried to be influencers. Like it was their goal to be an influencer. So they started posting with that goal in mind to influence or they focus specifically on like, product recommendations, fashion, beauty, like something like that, where they're like actively trying to influence or if their page is like lifestyle and vlogs and stuff like that. And I don't think there's any better or worse between influencer or content creator. I just feel like they're different. Um, like there are 
most of the people I follow, I would say are influencers because I want those fashion like recs and ideas and like inspo. And like, I love that aesthetic curation. Like that's what I'm looking for when I'm online. I would say a content creator is more someone that creates a type of content that isn't also being done uh, by somebody else necessarily. So like, I would say that, you know, maybe an influencer would be making like fit videos and showing different outfits, which takes an equal amount of intelligence and passion and talent as someone who's like creating funny acting videos or comedy videos or like making like funny astrology videos or something like that. That's not necessarily with the intent to influence. I feel like my intent was always to create content and then I started influencing because that was a way that I was able to monetize that part of my life and do it for a job. But I would say if someone asks me on today what I am, I would say I'm an author. I'd say I'm a writer. I usually say I'm a writer and I do social media. I just find that to be the best way. I don't really love any of the term influencer, content creator. I just feel like they all have like weird negative, like kind of like little tags on them that people perceive them as super negative. But I've always just like been like I'm, I, I do social media, but I like, I like influencers and content creators. Just other people are weird about those terms. So that's what I would say. Somebody also asked, did you watch you season four? And it was so disappointing. I did. It took me forever to get through. And it's such a bummer when one of your favorite shows, like the marvelous Mrs. Maisel is so good after three seasons. And then it's like the plague of season four. So I'm looking forward to season five anyway, because you know, I love it, but we'll see how to distinguish between gut instincts and anxiety. Okay, this is what I would do. Let's just say you have a gut instinct that you are not meant to be with this guy that you've been seeing on a few dates and like you just don't think he's maybe right for you, but then you don't know if you're also just self-sabotaging or if it's anxiety. Say out loud, I have a gut instinct that this guy is not right for me and he's not the one. Then say, this guy is not right for me and he's not the one. See how that feels. See how it feels to accept that as a fact. Does it feel weird to say, Billy, this guy I've been dating is not right for me. Like, does that feel in your gut like, oh yeah, confirmed? Or does, do you still feel confused? I think sometimes we have to make things as simple as humanly possible in order to make sense of them. And that's one way I would do it. Just say the facts out loud and see how that makes you feel or write them down and see how that makes you feel. I think that helps to differentiate a lot. And that's personally what I would do. I know that's simple, but sometimes I try to make things as simple as humanly possible in order to work through them. And it really, really helps. And simply writing down how you're feeling about something sometimes it seems so simple can really free you okay love this one living by yourself versus living with roommates post-grad I think it truly depends on what type of person you are so for me personally I'm the kind of person that living with roommates post-grad is exactly what I wanted I knew that that's what I needed to do I knew that that's what was going to make me happiest I've done it for three years now I didn't want to live alone after graduation. Also, I didn't have the means to live alone. So all of that came together and I was like, I'm not going to do it. If you have the means financially to live alone and you know that that's what's best for you and what serves you best, do it. And literally fuck anyone who's like, no, that's like not okay. Like, blah, 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 blah. Like that you shouldn't be doing that. You should live with friends, this, that, and the other thing. No, you are the person that knows yourself more than anybody else, right? That's you. You are the person who knows you and what you need and your boundaries and your ideal living situation. So for me, it was always going to be roommates, but I do not judge anyone who chose to live alone. If they were financially capable for living alone and that's what they wanted, that doesn't make them a worse friend. That doesn't make them a loner, a loser, anything like that. And I would just do exactly what you want to do and fuck the haters. Like fuck anybody who tells you otherwise. That's a touch grass.
Someone said rules for moving in with your significant other. I'm like, I love it. But like, we are in this one together. I will make rules once I go through it and know. You know what I mean? I can't make a rules for something I haven't done yet. I don't know if I've ever done that before. If you ever want a rules list though, I'd love when you guys give me ideas. That's a great one. But I need to like actually process what this is before I make the rules list. You know what I mean? Or else how am I a credible source in that situation? But I do think it's fun when all of us like go through something together or you guys walk with me somewhere. Cause I feel like I do that with you guys all the time and it's, it's the best. It's, it's simply the best, simply the best. Okay. So one other thing, if you're a newer podcast listener, there are so many questions about, um, like post-grad life and being a post-grad girly and all of that stuff. If you have any concerns about postgrad at all, please listen to my postgrad podcast and then see if that helps because there's a full episode on postgrad. And if that's like your big question, I like focused on it for a full hour. And I think that that might help. And then if you continue to have questions, I'm happy to do a part two or another episode or like a where I'm at now since that was a bit ago when I recorded that episode. So let me know. Let me know how you're feeling about that. Let me know if you guys liked that episode, if you want more. And as always, let me know what kind of stuff you're looking to hear about. If you know that you need something and you need an episode and you need a topic to be discussed, just shoot me a line and I'll see if it like makes sense for me to do it. I think like sometimes it's really fun for me to just do the podcast stuff. Like ask me anything when I like have an opening or like a fun week like this week with the book stuff, but I'm always open for suggestions. So I would recommend listening to that before I give you more advice because I don't want to repeat myself. And I think that will be much more overarching than me like answering your question in 90 seconds. Okay. And to close off, I just wanted to say the biggest thank you to all of you. I really feel like you're my team and we're a community and we are, we're like pen pals. We're like friends. This is like an audio journal every week. And you guys listening to my ideas means so much to me and pre-ordering the book means so much to me. And if you're excited about the book, telling people, posting about it, all of that good stuff would just mean the fucking world. And I can't wait for us to like meet in person and celebrate in person and like give each other hugs and like scream and dance. Like the tour is going to be so much fun and we're so close to getting there. All I have to do first is get a surgery and a couple of the things need to go down and then I'm going to be back in business. So I'm, I'm just feeling really grateful today. Today is one of the greatest days of my life and it's not even here yet. And I just know it. It's a day I've been waiting for since I was five years old. And it is a day that you guys walked all the way here with me. And I don't even know if you know that, but you've been such a tremendous part of my support system. I like, I'm actually speechless when I think about how lucky I am and how I couldn't have done it without each and every single one of you. You have such purpose in my life. You are so needed to me. I am so proud of you and of us. And I'm so thankful that I have you. So I can't even like, I'm at a loss for words, but I fucking love you guys. Thank you for listening to this episode. I'm sorry. It was a bit of a word dump. That's what felt right for today. And I just can't wait to see where we go together in this new author era and next chapter of my life and your life and our lives. If you're also turning over a new leaf right now, if you need anything, as always, let me know. If you pre-order the book, let me know. I'm so excited. I will be trying to answer and read all your lovely DMs. And I just, I just can't wait for what's in store. So I love you guys. I will see you next week very promptly as always, as usual. Have a stunning, wonderful, gorgeous, absolutely incredible weekend or whenever you're listening to this and i'll see you next time love you